Hello, hello. Welcome back to a second episode of the Student Coalition for Racial Justice Decarceration Committee podcast. SCRJ is a student-run organization based out of the Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy that works on several different levels of advocacy to address various issues that we as a youth deem to be of paramount importance in our own communities and beyond. For our work, we seek to make expansive changes to the criminal justice system by researching existing disparities and advocating for reform through various approaches such as media awareness, campaigning, petitioning, and engaging with local, state, and federal lawmakers to tackle the issue of mass incarceration in our state and one nation, one step at a time. Hello again, my name is Valeria Castellanos, my pronouns are she, her. I'm currently a junior at the Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy, and I've had the opportunity to found this committee my sophomore year at IMSA, and I've had the pleasure of co-heading this committee alongside my long-term committee member, in fact, one of the committee's very first members, Kira Feliciano, who I'll now pass on so that she can go ahead and introduce herself. Hello, everybody. My name is Kira Feliciano. I'm a junior at IMSA, and I'm the other co-head of the Decarceration Committee. Hello, my name is Jadasola Sleeman. I'm also a junior at IMSA. I use she, her pronouns, and I help our leads run our committee. Hi guys, I'm Yureli. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm also a junior at IMSA. I am a newer member of the decarceration committee and started working with everyone this fall. Now, so to get started, our first, our next topic to talk about for this episode is the prison industrial complex. So let's jump right into it. As explained by abolitionist organization Critical Resistance, the prison industrial complex, or PIC, is a term we use to describe the overlapping interests of government and industry that use surveillance, policing, and imprisonment as solutions to economic, social, and political problems. Violent crime rate in the United States has fallen by about 20% since 1991, and the number of incarcerated people in U.S. prisons and jails has grown by 50%. The people who are most affected by the prison industrial complex, poor people, queer people, and disabled people, are disproportionately incarcerated. Um, One example of this is the fact that the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, reveals that one out of every three black boys born today can expect to go to prison in his lifetime, as can one of every six Latino boys, compared to one of every 17 white boys. In general, the prison industrial complex is made up of politicians who play on fear by running on get tough on crime platforms, state and federal lobbyists who represent prison industrial and the companies that profit from cheap prison labor and exploitation of incarcerated people, depressed rural areas that depend on prisons for their economic survival, private companies that view the $35 billion spent each year on corrections as creating a lucrative market rather than imposing a drain on taxpayers. Prison labor sprung international consciousness during California's 2018 wildfire season, where convicts were brought in to help fight fires for $2 a day. NPR reports the use of inmate labor saved the state $100 million a year. For reference, ZipRecruiter estimates that a non-convict firefighter makes nearly $100 a day due to the danger and rigors of the job. In New Jersey, where the minimum wage is $10 an hour, prisoners working in maintenance can earn at most $2 an hour. Across the nation, prisoners earn between $0.86 and $3.45, not per hour but per day, according to a study by the Prison Policy Initiative. Depending on the state, some prisoners receive no compensation at all. Many prisoners use most of their money to spend on things like shampoo, razors, stationery, and phone calls. Female inmates in particular are at a disadvantage since many have to purchase essential menstrual supplies. The wages paid to prison laborers directly affect the inmates' quality of life.
The 155-year-old wording of the 13th Amendment had provided a legal loophole that has enabled prisons to make an estimated $500 million in profit a year off the backs of their inmates, according to NPR. So now we're getting into the discussion question of this, the discussion portion of this podcast. And so the first question I would like to pose to everyone is, is there a direct link between American slavery, which was sort of the foundations of the prison industrial complex, and mo- the modern day American prison system? So I can kick us off with this question. Um, so first of all, I think the really important thing to establish here is policing, or at least modern policing's or origins. And for the U.S. at least, um, modern policing origins ally, lies within slavery. Um, modern policing as we know it came about when um, with slave catchers trying to catch runaway slaves. And so acknowledging that is really important because it's a system that is built upon racism. You know, you can't you can't necessarily try to reform a system that's built upon racism when racism was like the the foundation of it in the first place. So I think that definitely leaks into our modern day policing as a whole, because um, those roots and those initial rules still inform how we police today. Okay, so obviously, like we know that modern policing and the prison system has its foundation built upon slavery. And that is the direct link. Like the prison system is predominantly made up of black Americans in the prison system, right? And even with like trials, you could have a jury of eight people and still those people will have some bias against a person who is black. And that is just causing their their trial to be unfair. Which means that they end up they're more likely to end up in jail for longer periods of time or have harsher sentences. Yeah, totally. Um, that really affects how people are sentenced too, because like you said, if you have ten people on a jury and eight people of those are white, and then you have like a black man sitting for trial, a lot of those people, even though they don't necessarily know it or they don't realize it, or if they even if they don't think they have that bias, they hold bias. And that bias can really unfairly impact um, people who are who are getting who are getting sentenced for th- who are people who are getting sentenced for things people who are going on trial. Going back to the American slavery system, we see African Americans who are put uh, in the position of slavery or not being in an inferior position managed by those who are coincidentally white who are in control of that situation. Now, if we look at the American prison system, it's different um, in concept, but it's also basically a mirror image of history where it's predominantly African Americans and Latinx groups being in that position again of inferior inferiority. We as a nation we're imprisoning our people but we're viewing them as our enemies instead of trying to help them Mm -hmm. and that right there is the wrong mentality it's like we're going head to head and we should be identifying these people helping them so that we can be better and that's not what's happening and again we're just trying to what the American prison system is doing is profiting off of this and that is what we see with the prison industrial complex working in, or through the different uh, limitations that these that the inmates have while they're completing their sentence they're they're supposed to be given or provided with opportunities to do something with their time while they're serving their sentence right many people turn towards like worship and prayer or religion spirituality all these turn into getting educated they um, get involved with education programs to receive possibly or work towards a degree or of some sort others take more creative outlets 
and um, others join like the workforce or not the workforce but the internal industry workforce and through that they can receive certain uh, apprentices or apprenticeships where they can kind of enter training programs that are with the idea of building skills for these inmates so that they can be prepared once they are released but really that's not really what is happening what is happening is that they're using that labor to outsource um, this this need for labor for different industries that are not at all affiliated with the prison system at all it could be supplying from what we saw um, state-funded programs so that could be the creating creating furniture or license plates or anything of that sort um, type of upholstery stuff that's pretty heavy labor kind of dangerous and that you don't really want to give to other people that maybe aren't in jail and then giving it to these inmates paying them very little for their time putting them in poor conditions and they're really not benefiting that much. It's really the, the prison system that's benefiting. And that's why they're able to continue profiting off of through these institutions by providing that false rhetoric that they're there to support the inmates. In addition to that, also the people who are running this prison system are majority white. And the reason that they're able to get to that position is because historically white people have always been the top at society. They've always had connections, they've always had the power, the money to do all of these things. And so that's where they have the advantage to like get to the top of the system and continue to do these things, continue to have these poor con living conditions, continue to be able to pay these inmates basically nothing. And it's just slavery rebranded. Re and what makes it even more interesting um, is that because um, because white people have like historically been at the top, and people of color have been historically been at the bottom, that just creates like this cycle. You know, um, there's statistics out there saying that like once you're in prison, it it's so much harder to like get back on your feet or if you have one person that's incarcerated in your family you are that much more likely to be incarcerated and so all of these things just contribute to the cycle of people of color getting put in prisons and their labor being exploited this actually transitions wonderfully into our second question <laughs> um so we have this quote from the movie the 13th i believe People say all the time, well, I don't understand how people could have tolerated slavery. If I was living at that time, I would have never have tolerated anything like that. And the truth is we are living in this time and we are tolerating it by Brian Stevenson. And so really, I just wanna know your thoughts on this quote. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think? This goes really well with the, like, the points that we were just hitting about um, the prison industry profiting on uh, the labor of people of color, which is disgusting. But I think this question also brings in, well, we as a society are, are tolerating it. Yeah, okay, first off, I think it's really important to talk about the person who, who said this quote, or is who uh, was credited for saying this, and that is uh, Bryson Stevenson. He's an American lawyer who uh, works through social, who's a social justice activist, law professor at a, at a New York University School of Law. And so we can see that this is really the work that he engages with. And what's interesting about the wording of this quote is that in a way he's including himself in what he's saying. He says, and the truth is we are living in this time and we are tolerating it. We know, we understand that he's obviously referring to a society, but he's also in that including himself because he's an activist, because it's like the mentality of being an activist is that you're never done 
because there's always more that can be improved. So that's just a really interesting thing that, um, first off, I wanted to address. Now, going uh, more into depth into what this quote is really saying is that while the situation of today with slavery, the way that you know we would define it through like a textbook or uh, the way that in history we would view it as a nation, it's not exactly present that way today, but it is still present again through that dynamic that we're seeing uh, between black and brown and white people. Like it's just, we see these different minority groups that are being uh, viewed differently even today, despite all the type of awareness that's been trying to spread and all the education and all these types of events that have happened, these human rights movements, these civil rights movements that are trying to literally, quite literally reach a point in society where two different groups of people who are only different, are only distinguishable by the color of their skin can be treated the same. Like at the end of the day, that is what is being asked of this entire thing. And the fact that this is like still an issue, this is the fact that this is still something that's hanging over our heads, like that somehow we as a society, as humans, as what is credited to be the most advanced thing in existence that we know of, living human being, like animal, how is it possible? How is it possible that we have not been able to reach a point where we can just look at another person like the same? And that's really what I think is being like mentioned with this quote because it's just beyond comprehension. I want to talk about how like you were talking about how we are asking of society to treat everyone equal. And yes, that is the ultimate goal. But we can't immediately start with that. I think equity is really, really important here. Like people often confuse the two because equality means to treat everyone the same. Everyone has the same resources, advantages, whatever. They're all starting at the same. They're all receiving the same. Equity is taking away those advantages and disadvantages. And like if someone is at a disadvantage, you're giving them extra help so that they can be on the same level as those who have those advantages. And I think that people don't realize that like in order to get to equality and have people be treated the same, we need to work with uh, with black and Latina people, all minorities, so that they can get there. And I really believe that like that is the activist mindset. Like you ha- you are never done. Like until you reach that point of equality, you're never done with your work. And I think moving on to like a more like a different part of this quote, um, it says that well, I don't understand how people could have tolerated slavery. I think what people don't understand is like they had no power at all. Like they just had no power and when you have no power like that, you really don't see a future or see like or have hope that like you can change things. And with that you need numbers. Not everyone was willing to risk their life in that way because even if you like rebelled just a little bit, your life was at risk. And people don't realize the impact of that or the implications of like how risky it was for people to even speak out again i think people just don't have enough empathy in like imagining yourself in that position because me as a latina i guess i have risk i have um experienced racism and microaggressions against me but i know i do not experience it in the same gravity that black people in america do and people need to like realize that it is different bringing things back to the prison industrial complex one thing that I find really interesting in this quote is also like the, the part that you were talking about, Yoreli, is what I don't understand how people 
could have tolerated slavery. If I was living at that time, I would have never have tolerated anything like that. But the truth is, like this quote says, people are tolerating it. And that's because, that's because they directly profit off of it, you know? Like, um, I feel like a lot of people don't know about the prison industrial com- complex and like it's full gravity. But like, even if they did know, they wouldn't be able to, because like prison labor, I saw with an article that was like, prison labor helps like make clothes in JCPenney. JC clothes in JC Penny. Like even if even if like a person found that out, like, oh, the clothes I'm getting from JC Penny possibly could have been made by um, inmates who were paid abhorrent wages. They still a lot of people still wouldn't be able to give up that convenience. They would have been like, oh, well, it's not me who's at fault. It's like the larger prisoner, it's like the larger government, the um prison industrial complex the um, correctional facilities. And yes, that's true, but like you also can't like minimize your impact in it because while you are not at fault, correctional facilities and um, these companies for taking advantage of inmates, you are tolerating it by buying from JCPenney or like buying the, the furniture from whichever store or buying these things and contributing to these processes that, that reinforce the prison industrial complex and reinforce these com- these companies thinking well if people are buying it then we're making a profit and we're making more of a profit than if we just hired regular workers yeah and we talked about this in our last episode in more detail but while majority of society is not directly impacting these inmates and like taking advantage of them and it's rather the larger system they're still part of the problem if you're not actively trying to solve the problem you are part of the problem and I feel like people need to realize that more and take more action and then just to define what that action could be it's something that I mean you don't have to start a whole movement yourself that's not what action here means action could be something so much smaller it's actually super super easy and simple but people are kind of hesitant to get involved because they don't know how or they think that they can't commit to it. Something as simple as calling your legislator in office and reading some previously written statement that you know that you can kind of add on your personal experience to afterwards just to articulate what exactly you're supporting um, is just enough. Like That is the first step to begin making change because if you yourself cannot play a direct role in organizing some type of movement or getting involved with something, um, then just expressing your voice or expressing your concerns for the things that you need or things that you should, you think should be present within our society or identifying concerns or seeing where there's lacks of things, expressing that to your, to your politicians or your people in office, the people that you elect is more than doing absolutely nothing. And honestly, that's a really, really big step. And if more people did that, there would be a lot more change today. So let's move on to our third question. Kira, do you want to read that? Sure. Okay, so does punitive justice work and why? And if it doesn't, what are other alternatives? Um, so I can start off. Punitive justice doesn't work. I don't think it works. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I truly, I talked about this last episode, uh, but like throwing a person in, in jail for like being a part of a gang does not fix the core reason why they were in the gang. Throwing a person in jail for stealing 
does not fix the poverty and the homelessness and the hunger that was the reason why they were stealing in the first place. Oftentimes it just exacerbates these issues and makes them wind up in jail again when, they, when they're released. So, I mean, honestly, the, the alternatives to this sort of system, I would, like, a system focused on healing and helping rather than just punishment. Okay, moving on to the next question. How can we combat the implications of the prison industrial complex in a capitalist society that continues to perpetuate it? So the thing with capitalism, and I think we might have talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but capitalism operates where, it can only operate where someone is benefiting more than someone else. That's kind of the only way that that can really function. And so in relation to the prison, prison industrial complex, that's kind of capitalistic in its own way because again, just like we saw with slavery, it's somebody benefiting off of somebody else. And not to say that capitalism can only function if someone is like suffering, but just it's just the fact that someone is benefiting more than someone else. And in this case, as we've seen with, with uh, American slavery, of course, like there was someone benefiting above someone else, but the people who weren't were suffering. And that's the same thing that's kind of happening within the prison industrial system. You know, these inmates who are being profited off for their labor, they're being paid very little, not really giving them an opportunity to um, support themselves very well, or maybe they are just just enough, are making just enough to be able to support themselves. Oftentimes, inmates, if they do have family members or uh, some sense of uh, support outside of the uh, outside of the prison system, like family members, or friends, or anything else like that, then they oftentimes do receive some money from them occasionally or periodically when they're able to give it. Um, but beyond that, they really only have to rely on themselves to support themselves if they need anything additional to what they'll be provided um, in, provided with while they're there, that being like just their standard maybe lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner, if, if that. Um, but beyond that, they really aren't given anything else. They kind of have to pay for their own necessities, their own essentials, their toiletries, and things like that. Um, but what we also see is that they're not making enough what they're being paid for their labor, the same type of labor that somebody outside of the system could be providing but aren't because it's being outsourced here because they know that they can make, they can profit more off of paying them less. It's limiting their inmates' opportunity to one, build wealth for themselves so that they can support themselves once they're done or out of the system. That's just something that would make sense to do if you're serving um, a prison sentence it should make sense for you to be able to somehow accumulate wealth for yourself so that when you are released, which is the idea of the prison system in its entirety, is that you're released and then you're supposed to become good because that was the way it's being justified. Now you're fixed, now you're corrected. Um, That's something that's not happening. And also, they're also being limited by, secondly, they're not able to support their families back at home. So oftentimes it's say it's the head of the household, which is a man, or usually it's what that is traditionally in American society. Um, they're usually the supporting figure. They're usually the ones who go to work every day, make money to support their family. Say they go on car- say they become incarcerated for whatever reason. Now what? What is left of the family? The government does not step in really to help immediately after someone is incarcerated. That's kind of something that they go seek this- themselves as a family. And oftentimes, like, there's resources that aren't available to them. And so that's the thing with the prison industrial complex. It focuses less on helping the person, the individual, and more on helping and supporting the establishment or the institution itself. 
Yeah, and I kind of want to just go back to capitalism. So the like definition of capitalism is capitalism is an economic system based on the private ownership of the means of production and their operation for profit. A lot of these prison institutions and jails are private institutions. And so they're using the labor of inmates and for their own profit. And they're not really being checked by the government because it's not like a public institution like in a school for example the schools receive funding from the government the prisons do receive funding but not in the same way and so they're able to like get away with a lot of these things um going back to how we can combat this i think a lot of it is just education you know like i was very pessimistic before and i said and i said oh even if people know they won't do anything because because people don't like to give up their their luxury, and I, I still stand behind that. But there are there are still people who will who will do something, who will say something. For 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 all the people who won't, there are a bunch more people who, who will. And even just people, even if people don't do anything, the fact that they know it and it's eating into their little hearts that what they're what they're buying is contributing to. Um, um, inmates not being able to support their families, that is still something. That is still something. And even beyond that, beyond just education, because education shouldn't just be where we stop, supporting bills and legislation that actively work to combat this. So our call of action to you is to primarily support the Second Chance campaign. What this involves is a deep level of research that is being conducted by lots of volunteers and partnering organizations. Beyond that, um, taking action to research yourself and participate in that so that you can better support. And from there, go on to contact your representatives and legislators to tell them about what you learned and why you support it. We thank you for your attention. If you enjoyed today's episode and you're looking to educate yourself more on this topic, be sure to come back for our next episode where we will begin to explore this topic even further. We educate ourselves and take action today so that we may better lead tomorrow. Will you join us? Keep up with our organization on Instagram at IMSASCRJ. To locate our sources for the information provided in today's episode, visit the link in the Instagram bio. For any questions and or business inquiries, please visit vcastellanos.imsa.edu. We thank you for your attention.